Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Cool. I am excited. We have an amazing guest, one of the more interesting people we've had in a while, uh, come to the podcast. And this also happens to be our first ever Burr podcast event. Janelle, you didn't even know this. You're, I did. You're the first. <laughs> you're the first. Um, that's a big deal. We started, we, we put the bar high. We have Janelle Wilson here today, who also goes by the savvy real estate investor which must mean she's pretty cool and smart, um, but super, she's actually very modest, but has some incredible experiences, has done some really neat bird deals um, out of Philadelphia. So uh, really excited for her to join us. And Joel Kraut is the co-host of this podcast. So it's going to be really fun, Joel. What do you think? I think for us, it's culmination of a couple of years, right? We got together first at Bigger Pockets in 21 down in New Orleans, and we were talking about it. We talked about it so long, the hostess and waitress forgot to tell us that they closed the kitchen. So we were stuck in New Orleans. We ended up, I think, in Fuddruckers in one of the casinos. It's the only place left open to eat anything, Jerry and myself, after we left you that night. But it was yeah. exciting. We were all pumped up. And here we are now, finally, in position, both of us, to be able to get together and do this, which is really cool. I mean, our first live event, well, through Zoom together, first of many. We got a really cool guest today, a personal friend too at this point, Janelle Wilson. And, you know, it's a nice breadth of experience across a lot of different areas within the real estate market to get together and just different personal stories as well, which is really cool. Uh, you know, real yeah. estate's been an amazing journey for all of us and to be able to share with people is a cool opportunity. So getting together with you guys is always fun. I always learn something, hearing the stories, just talking about business in general and what's going on in life out there in the markets. So this is a cool thing to do. Let's get rolling. I'm excited. J yeah. Janelle, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I didn't know this was going to be like the first Burr <laughs> podcast. I feel pressure. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, I think it'll be great good. though. Yeah, we didn't want to tell you. We were afraid you wouldn't want to join, but- um, Yeah, we freaked out. But yeah, like Joel said, we've been talking about this uh, literally for a couple of years now, that we should do a podcast just on Burr deals and basically go across the country, I guess eventually across the world, and find the most interesting people who are actually doing real life bird deals and have them come on, tell them about their themselves and also tell a cool story of a bird deal they've done. Because I think you can learn so much from these deals. Every deal can be so different and tricky and unique. And um, yeah, and so John, th thanks so much for joining us uh, today. What I want to start is, so your background, you actually have an engineering background, which, which I did as well. And found that to be really helpful. I'm curious, have, have you been, if, do you think you've benefited from kind of majoring in engineering and kind of going through that kind of curriculum before getting into real estate? Absolutely. Actually, a lot of big time investors who I've met later, I found out are also engineers. So there is something about us that um, make, that gives us an edge in investing. And I think it's, um, I think it's because we learn so many things about like water and fluid dynamics and electrical, just 
the foundation of everything involved in the world, basically. And so um, we understand construction. We can understand plumbers, electricians. I understand the whole construction process, even though I have not taken any construction classes. But when they explain things to me, I ask them questions. I'm like, oh, yes, I can understand how that works. So I think that gives us an edge um, in understanding the construction part, which is a huge part of the, the birth strategy and saving money on it. So I think that helps a lot. That's great. I, you know, and I always think that it's not so much what you learn in college, you know, but it's, it's a lot of, it's like that, that thinking process. And I think it kind of trains you to think in a very systematic and logical way, which is oftentimes and, and problem solving, right. Which is what real estate's all about. Yeah. Yeah. We're very logical. You have to be logical when it comes to investing. You cannot be emotional. Like the, the numbers make sense or they don't. And you have to see things in a small, small picture and details and also see the big picture, which I think engineers are also good at. I think from a lot of the times, you know, talking to different people, as Janelle said, a lot of the people in Chad, you chimed in too, that you have an engineering background. They often tell me their experience as project managers and cost evaluators really helped them tremendously as they come in to the space and you know every contractor is an adventure well not everyone but a lot of them and <laughs> having the ability to get your hands quickly around just costing out a job and understanding yeah. how that should relate to materials showing up labor on top and those types of things and being organized in that project management skill set has really helped them tremendously as they try to transition and do transition into becoming a full-time real estate investor which is the cool hip thing to do today janelle i'm curious have you do you have any certain, um, I, look, I think managing contractors is really tough. Maybe the hardest thing in real estate. It is. Um, I'm curious, do you have any things you've learned along the way that help kind of, I guess, both manage contractors, but also kind of keeping projects on track, on budget, on timeline? Is yeah, Absolutely. Um, me being a woman in the space is different. Um, and when I hear advice given to women who are investing, they always say like, be a boss, babe, and, and, and act like a man. But I think it's actually to just like to be yourself. Um, I find that good contractors have a, a sense of pride in their work and they like you to appreciate it. So I'm like, hey, you did a great job. And they, they love feeling appreciated. Um, I pay them on time. They always know that they're going to get a check on Friday. If something is held up, they, they talk to me about it. We communicate. If there's extras, you know, I do ask about it. Um, and I'm very present on my job site. Um, when I first started, I was there almost every day. I know everyone can't do that, but I would go after work. Um, now I kind of go once or twice a week and now maybe once or twice a month now that we know each other. But being on top of the job, being present, um, communicating, um, appreciating appreciating them, especially is important when you want to criticize something because if you just criticize the whole time, they're going to feel beat down and not like working with you. So you appreciate them. You tell them a great job they're doing so that when something is wrong, they don't feel like it's an attack and um, they want to, they want to fix it to make it better. So yeah, I, I manage my contractors that way. And uh, we have a great relationship. Um, they invite me to the cookouts. Uh, so yeah, we have like a, a good working relationship with managing contractors. I don't act like a boss babe. I don't go in there acting bossy. I smile and say, yeah, this looks great. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. I have a pleasure. You know, my favorite thing you just said, I think it's so true is like, I think like being true to who you are is like really important in life. Um, yeah. And I think like, I think it's tough. Sometimes you watch people on stage, you listen to people read books or you think like, man, I should be like Steve Jobs or... I should be like Mark Cuban or, you know, to your point, the, like some, some, there's some really tough women out there who like, yeah. they are, they are hard, 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 hard 
Yeah, I hard exactly. Don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. I'll put my down if I need to, but yeah, I'm not going to be that upfront. Yeah, but I think that's good. I think you have to be, you have to be who you are. I think like being genuine, I have found that being genuine with people, um, they do treat you better, I, I think. Um, yeah. do, you, do you ever have trouble getting contractors to take you seriously? I mean, I guess at this point you have so much experience, but maybe early on, was that ever a problem? So yeah, when I walk up on the scene and the problem's with a guy, they'd be talking to the guy and they'd be like, she's, she's an expert here talking. <laughs> that happens all the time. But um, usually once I start speaking, they're like, oh, and so they, they can just tell just from, from our conversation that um they don't try to, but ones who do try to control me and they'll try to say, oh, this has to get fixed or you're going to fail inspection. I'll say, oh, no, I've, I've had this plenty of times. So ones who do try to control me or scare me or or have those kind of characteristics, I just don't work with them. Yeah, that's great. Joel, you when you guys do loans and stuff, I'm sure you're constantly looking at the the kind of the work that needs done and how it's going to be managed. Um, do you do any kind of like, I don't want to say interviewing, but do you ask some questions of the operator before moving forward with loans? We definitely do. I mean, today's world, everybody goes to a boot camp. you know, they pay $9.99 and they're ready to rip the world apart. And that's great. But the reality is having the experience of someone like Janelle or yourself, it definitely lends itself to understanding how to do the job. So you're showing us a renovation budget. We're seeing who it's from, depending on what city it's in. That's kind of the first litmus test, right? There are definitely some contractors we don't want to work with based on experiences with them. But also just talking to a new person and asking them what order they're going to do the job in, just to see if they actually understand that process, right? I mean, I don't want someone doing the roof last. We're supposed to start there. Make sure right. the rock doesn't get wet. I mean, right. You know, obviously some simple things, but you want to make sure it makes sense. So we're trying to keep it very simple. And to your point, you know, just being yourself, if you're not really sure, you should tell somebody you're not really sure, right? They'll help you instead of fight with you. You know, I've seen Janelle on site and I've seen people react and interact with her. And, you know, just being yourself for all of us just works infinitely better, right? I mean, Chad, you and I, we, we've been together quite a few times already at this point. I don't think either of us have ever seen us in like that $4,000 power suit and, you know, the mm -hmm. Ferrari outside type of thing. We're just, that's not us. And if we showed up that way, I think people wouldn't take us seriously. And similarly, when you ask Janelle and people like Janelle a question and they even suddenly just say, well, you know, I've had that the last four or five times. If somebody hears that and instantly stops and thinks about what they just said and takes them very seriously instead of, well, you know, I've never really done this before type of attitude. You know, it, it helps a lot and it goes a long way in how we evaluate situations and it's all about relationships, right? You're, you're just trying to be yourself with people and find people you communicate with well and work well with and then help them as much as you can. I mean, for us, that's a really, really crucial element of our business around the country. Yep. By the way, let the record state, I, I drive a Honda CRV. And, uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you, and this is funny, someone was just in my car and they said, they were trying to be nice about it, but they were, they were trying to hint at like, so are you getting a nicer car? And they right. were like, uh, so what's your next car going to be? And I said, I love this car. I'm, I'm going to get another Honda, Honda CRV, actually the exact same one. Um, 
and then and they kind of looked at me and shook their head and they're like man you're you're a little uh you're a little unique i guess I, uh... yeah i have the same issue I, I lived in philly and my car um it always gets scraped and bumped and right now my bumper's actually hanging off i just moved out of philly so i need to get a new car but right now my car looks terrible <laughs> i have a few, a few vacancies i need to fill them once i fill them i'm going to get a new car but right now my car looks awful there's a lexus rx it's like a mom a mom car but philly has beat it up so much i have duct tape on it it's embarrassing <laughs> so yes we're, we're not the people with a ferrari that's cool Janelle. so it sounds like do you do you self-manage your properties I do. Now, I did try about five different property managers, and I've had all kinds of crazy issues. Like, so I, when I had my first baby, I was like, all right, I'm going to try a property manager. And my first expense was I'm replacing a flapper on a toilet. And when I got the bill, it was for $250. This was like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have done that for like 80 bucks. And they were like, Janelle, this is a part of becoming, you know, a, a better in business. You got to unleash responsibilities. And I was like, 250 I kind of got a new toilet for 250 But um, that was just my first experience. But I realized that they charge so much. They charge so much. And the way they do it is they, um, they take your rent and whatever's left over, they pay you back. So I was getting like, no money back. And I'm like, what are y'all spending this money on? So I had that issue. I had another one that had accounting problems. They would send me someone else's rent checks was worked out. I was like, why is, why am I getting 4,000? I was supposed to get like two. Um, so that was wrong. They would send me pictures of the wrong requests. They would take too long to do turnovers. They couldn't fill the property. So I've been through five of them. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I think I can manage this better. I manage my own, but I use a property management software called Buildium. So um, now I'm training people to take over. So they'll do things the way I want. They'll use the, the maintenance the maintenance people that I use. Uh, so the prices are still reasonable and uh, I save more money. I manage them better. And uh, yeah, I manage my own properties. Yeah. So you know, I, I, you know, you might not know this actually, but I, I built a, a fairly large management company along the way. Um, but, but I'll tell you, I, the one thing I always tell people is I well, forget about your comments about some not being great, but there's a, the other comment I really want to make is I think that during people's career, there are times when it actually makes sense to self-manage and there are times it makes sense to hire a management company. I mean, if you bought a house in Tennessee, you probably wouldn't self-manage that house. Um, I was just talking to someone the other day, actually a good friend of mine who self-manages everything, but then bought three properties in Tennessee and he's hiring a management company for those. So I think like, I think this idea of you're not necessarily all in on one or the other, but that as life changes and evolves and your portfolio and your experience evolves, um, you know, I think going different directions and it sounds like you, look, it's all, at the end of the day, it's all about having systems and processes, which you yeah. clearly do. Um, I'm sure you're a great property manager. That, that did not mean you were a bad one. You're probably good. <laughs> you probably have good prices. You do turnovers quickly and you manage them beautifully. Um, yeah. Janelle, the next thing I wanted to ask was, so you had a really cool LinkedIn post, something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is, you know, obviously interest rates are up and I've had a bunch of people tell me like, should I just sit in the sidelines for the next couple of years? Um, and it seems like one of your philosophies is, and I believe this, in every market change, it creates opportunities and also some, some tough things to work through. And I think I'm starting to see this, that there are some opportunities of houses that, that may be in a predicament of some way or another that need to sell quickly. Obviously, the market is still pretty strong, but, uh, but, but kind of talk me through your thoughts there of, of how it's 
maybe creating some opportunities to negotiate in ways that, that maybe that didn't exist a couple of years ago? Yeah. So when rates go up, I feel like the retail investors, they just bow out. And also the flippers, they bow out because they're not going to flip for a super high price. So already there's right. less on the market. So less competition means lower prices, more negotiation. So there's already that factor. And then there's a factor of that there's always good deals. There's always people who need to sell. There's always a motivated situation, always motivated sellers, people who pass away, um, move, divorce, landlords who get tired of managing. So there's there's always an opportunity to buy prices for cheap. So the birth strategy, the wonderful thing about it is that um, some people think it's only about the construction, but it's also about doing the work, finding cheap off-market property. So um, you make your money when you buy. So when you make your money buying off-market, you're pretty much always going to save, no matter if the rates are high or low. But when you're buying on-market, you're dealing with less retail investors, so there's less competition there. So now we can just we can just buy both places, on the market and off the market, and still get good deals now. I think it's interesting today, Janelle, one, just hearing you speak about that, absolutely not speaking like a new person to the market, right? The new people are constantly battling themselves about the interest rates. I can't source a deal. Attitude sort of comes back into their head. You know, yes, it's not easy, but the gems you unearth now are infinitely better. There's less competition for them, as you described, and it really comes down to price and terms, right? Of course, we all want the rates to be lower. I get that. I bought four houses in the last 90 days myself. And yeah, I wish rates were lower. That's true. But if they work now, if rates ever went down, and I mean ever, that'd be fantastic. But are, Janelle, are you, how are you structuring your deals now? Are you, are you structuring them differently than you did a couple of years ago? Um, no, I pretty much have the same strategy. I mean, I've, I've done you know, a bunch of different things, but um, I, I pretty much buy with hard money, but I, I say I'm using cash um, because this is as good as cash. I can go in there and take pictures and tell my lender and ask my lender for a loan. I can close within two days because we, we built that kind of trust, but I have always um, gotten rock bottom deals by saying I'm using cash that can close in two days. So even if they want, they wanted a hundred thousand, I can get it for 80. And um, even with the hard money fees and points and all that in there, it's still coming in less than, than what they wanted with the mortgage. So yeah, I still buy uh, hard money purchase and then I refinance with a long-term loan. And Janelle, when you say close in two days, are you serious? Like you're actually closing in two as, days? As long as title is done. So sometimes when you work with a wholesaler um, and maybe a deal has fallen through or they already did it. And um, yeah, I can close in two days with a hard money lender. Yeah, that's one of the right. benefits. That's why their rates are so high because you're paying for the convenience. So right. I can get a, a better deal because I can close in two days. I'm getting so much desperate. Got to understand. So you're saying that it was, it was the title side that I was going to go to next. And I know in Philly in particular, some of those title searches are a little more tricky than other places. But I guess what you're saying is sometimes the title work's been already done. And so if you know the title work's done and the title looks clean, then the only thing stopping is the money being wired, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and paperwork being done. So, yeah. Right. Which, which obviously that, could, that, can, that can take a couple of days. It could yeah, take one, really I, I could close the same day if, if I really wanted them to. But yes. Oh, yeah, thank awesome. you. Yeah. That's the that's the hard money lenders. And that's why you get them for so cheap. You get someone in a bad situation. What do you think, Janelle? Like 10 to 20%, you think you get a discount by going in, like I can close in cash quickly for these like already discounted? I can get an additional discount. Yes. 
um, if there's no discount, then I can say I can get it like 50% on the dollar. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it totally makes sense. I think, you know, we, we've definitely started buying in, in, in cash or through different um, vehicles and it's definitely helped us. Um, I think, I think people probably don't do it enough. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are, are, are afraid of the fees. <laughs> they say that they see that 11 toll reset rate and they're like, Oh no, I know I got to pay three, four, 5%. Oh, eight now, but no, I'm like, you're not, you're not seeing the benefit. Um, they're going to take my deal over someone else's who can close in 30 days just because they want the money right now. So they'll, right. they'll take a discount for that convenience. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you know. I think in a lot of those situations you're buying from a situation. Yeah. And you're solving a problem for them. So it's not it's not like the traditional buy sale, you know, of a primary residence a lot of times. You're actually solving an issue, right? Somebody needs your help. And that costs, you know, to, as a friend of mine always likes to say, pay to play, right? It's the cost of doing business. And it changes things for people. And it gives people like Janelle and ourselves at certain points an advantage and opportunity to buy at a different price than the average home buyer. It's not about the price to the person. It's not about the value of the house to the person. It's about just having that cash that they need. Right. It has nothing to do about the value of the house to them. To them, they just want the cash. So I see the value. They don't. They just see a problem and a way to get some quick cash. Yeah, that's great. Janelle, um, my sense is you're probably pretty good at negotiating with sellers. Um, I don't know why I think that just, just from the way you act and kind of present yourself. Any... Any words of advice? I mean, obviously the closing in cash helps. Is there anything else that you try to do when you're kind of dealing with the seller and negotiating that that, that maybe helps people out a little bit? I, I think the most thing that people see the most is my confidence. You know, a lot of people, investors, they hem and haul and complain about little things here and there. They're not sure about closing, but I'm in there like, um, I can close. I got the money, you know, less time the paperwork. And I think that's what they see the most. Um, and I wouldn't be there if I didn't think it had a good price. So someone really needed a number and I didn't think it was worth it. I wouldn't even waste their time. So I go in there with confidence, I'm sure. And they trust me that, that I'm going to close. So I think that's the biggest thing that, that they see that gives me the power. So I don't even, I don't haggle with them that much, but I just say, listen, uh, this is the price I can close here and then pay cash. So that's take it or leave it. <laughs> That's great. And it sounds like you're buying things off the MLS too. I know we've actually had a lot of success buying off the MLS, which I think sometimes people get this crazy idea that you can't buy off the MLS. Um, we've, we've had success. It sounds like you buy off the MLS as well. I, I buy mostly off MLS. Um, if I have a realtor have with a pocket list and that hasn't hit the market yet, they see that I own a house down the block. Um, I would buy it off MLS. And oftentimes when I buy a package off the MLS, from a, a, a previous landlord who's selling um, just at a, a good price. I know the average person is not going to be buying that. Uh, so I'll, I'll take advantage of that. For the most part, I work with wholesalers and I buy auctions. Wholesalers, they know exactly what I want. They come to me because they know I'll close. So I, I get a ton of great deals from, from wholesalers. So I don't even need to look at MLS. That's great. What is your, do you have like a buy box, I guess, like a kind of a classic thing that you're looking for? So I look at the cash flow. I analyze everything off of cash flow and then second, um, the the percent of the ARV that I'm investing. So first on single families, 
I don't really buy single families unless I can cash out a lot of money and still cash flow about 300 per door. And, and these are like, in my market, houses are fairly cheap, like a uh, hundred thousand for a single family that needs a little bit of work. Um, duplexes might be 150 that needs a little bit of work. So um, my market is pretty affordable. So um, I want to cash flow about three, 350 on a single family, 700 on duplex, um, like 350 for, for each door pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. And then I would like to break even on the cash out, get my initial investment back out. And that's, that's pretty much how I invest. So get my money back out and um, cash flow about 350 per door. Um, I had a, a cash flow of 400,000 more than the That's probably my highest one. So. A $400,000 cash out on a deal. You know, we've had some great ones in Philadelphia. Uh, Come on, last year don't, don't, don't people have cashed out. How did you, how the heck did you do it? What happened? Basically, <laughs> even surprised us how much they could get out. That's great. Yeah, especially um, with the appraisal values have skyrocketed over the past couple of years. Yeah, it cashed out a lot. It was a combination of a few things. Um, it was a deal where I actually met Joel. Uh, this happened right when COVID struck. And when that happened, a lot of lenders stopped lending. They didn't know what was going to happen. And so deals started falling through. And this particular deal was four quads. Or like Some were threes, some were quads. I, I made them all quads. But um, there were four quads. And they were asking, I think, 250 at first. Were they asking 250? I'm not really sure, but anyway, people could not. Wait, wait, hold on, Janelle. So, so four, four like, like so, sixteen units total. Yeah. Is that the so sixteen units, four buildings, each one four units, and were they next to each other? Yeah, they're all, all in the they're all just together. Yeah. Or, there was or separate one, buildings. One in between. Okay. Like in the place, single family, but yeah, right. they're all in the same block. The one okay, lady so same block. used to sell. And and this is like C class types. Well, this is actually A class neighborhood. Hey, I'm guessing it was the A class neighborhood. A class, yeah. Janelle, come on! I, I, I never, never thought I would buy there. The only reason why I recognize the address was I have friends who live around the corner. So when I heard my friend um, talking about this deal with a wholesaler, and I heard him say like, "Yeah, I'm not really trying to buy nothing," and I heard the address, I was like, "Yo, that is near so and so." So um. As soon as he hung up, I was waiting for him to tell me like about the deal, but he, he wasn't. I was like, all right, what's up? What's up with these, with these small families? Because you know this is what I buy. And uh, apparently there was like a, a tough situation. This wholesaler had 40,000 tied up and he's about to lose the money. So um, I was like, well, I can go see it tomorrow. So I went and looked at it and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take them. Um, and I, I didn't I didn't even haggle with the price. The price was good. I said I closed in 30 days. And um, were they in rough shape? So one of them. One of them wasn't good, wasn't in bad shape. The rest of them were, it was just really cosmetic. They were just like a landlord special. They were just ugly. Um, they were outdated. Um, they just, they they were in good. Some of them you can move in right away, but one of them needed the most work. But yeah, it was. It was I, I could have got away with like a hundred thousand per. Um, but yeah. Chad, I'd actually met the seller who eventually lost the properties to the bank, where I got them from. I'd actually met the seller five years prior. Hold on a second. So, Joe, I, I, so you actually sold them to Janelle? Yes. <laughs> that kicked off the Joel and Janelle show. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. And she's telling the truth. That neighborhood, most landlords would kill to be in. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> so, so the I'll, seller I'll, I'll lost it to the bank. And then, so, Joel, did you buy it from the bank? 
We took them over from the bank. We had a hard deposit with them. A friend of mine put up the deposit who could not afford to lose the deposit. And we had a buyer all lined up. I think Janelle might even know her, another woman in Philly. And the deal starts to unravel and he goes into full out panic mode. You know, he's already melting the $40,000 that we have up on the table. And he's already asking about, you're going to give me back 20, right? Right, right. I mean, we're like, all right, who else is on the list? Like right now, let's go call. Because Janelle had already come and seen the properties and she was really ready to go. But we did the obnoxious thing and we chose the higher bid and learned our lesson the hard way. And I think like 12, 14 days later, we're like, what do you think? Should we call her back? And we did. Thank God we did not, we let our egos not derive. Actually, I called back. I called back because I knew when you were supposed to close. And I was like, and I called, I said, hmm, should I call them and see if they close? And so I called and I said, hey, how's so and so? And you were like, that's a show. I was like, oh, okay, why don't you call me back? But yeah, it was, it was a mess. Um, I put an offering on it. I submitted the paperwork same day. I thought we were closing this deal. And then um, it went kind of, went kind of quiet. <laughs> and I called the wholesaler. I was saying, hey, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, I'm going to try and get this deal myself. I was like, okay, just, just let me know how that goes. <laughs> so I just figured yeah. if it didn't work out, it was, it was meant for me. We definitely wasted 10 days on with the wholesaler. I'm going to take it down myself, man mentality that was uh yeah. as I mean, Janelle said I, that became the proverbial shit show. I understand, <laughs> we, I understand. Had to retract so, quickly yeah. so, so Janelle so 16 units um can you maybe estimate how much total rehab do you think you put in to the units one of them really didn't need a lot of work like I feel like I spent 50,000 on the other one so I, I would say I averaged a hundred thousand per but one of them that actually had a squatter in it. It was a guy from the previous um, owner. Um, when I met him, he was nice and courteous. But when I bought the house, he did a complete 180. And uh, he was vandalizing the properties, um, oh. harassing the contractors. Um, so it made things go on way longer than it took because I couldn't get anyone to work on it. Um, not to mention my contractor disappeared. COVID was hard on him. He went through a divorce. He disappeared. So it was a, I spent a lot more than I planned, but I wasn't really concerned because I knew that the houses were worth a lot of money. So I bought them about 205 a piece. And at the time they had, had an after repair value appraisal of 450. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, even though I'm making these extra mortgage payments, even though I'm paying these for the guy who vandalized it, and I didn't do work on one on the fourth one. Um, I was like, I'll still be okay. I'll still break even. Um, but yeah, I, I averaged about one hundred in renovations and interest payments. Um, and then when per, I finished, per quad. so like four hundred k for the whole project, roughly yes. rough numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, so you say you bought it for like eight. Just just trying to so, so quick math. You bought it for like eight hundred k, put in four hundred. So now you're like one point two all in. Yeah, I, I didn't finish the one though. I couldn't finish one with a squatter. It took me a year to get him out. I'm actually working on it, on it now, but uh, rough numbers, yes. 200, 100 um, in, and then uh, yes, whatever that, that number is. Yeah, so, so 1.2, and then you said when you, did you, re, you refied all 16 at the same time? I refied, I refied three of them, so I refied 12 at the same time. Okay, and then they worked, did they appraise at like 400K per, or even more probably? 600. 600 right I was, I was thinking the math was if you got 400k out i was like something changed here yeah they appraised for 600k wow yeah 600k and um i was making so 1600 1600 
So the two bedrooms, I was, I was getting $1,600 a piece. I also rented to Section 8. And for the one bedroom, I was getting $1,400. So I was cash flowing up pretty well, too. Wow. Chad, That's I amazing. think going into the deal, I think we were all pretty confident that the properties would be worth at least the high 400s minimally. And that's before I anything even started to change, yeah. right? That's even before, you know, getting dressed up, the neighborhood coming up a bit, the market going up. We weren't even counting that in. So we really felt like she was in a no-lose situation. We just didn't have the ability ourselves at the time to take it down. Again, we wasted the time and then put ourselves against it. And she came in and swooped it up. And that's crazy. the results were fantastic. Do you know how, how long is that like a six month project? How long is that? Kind it of would have taken me probably nine months if I didn't have the issues with the, the squatter and my contractor mm -hmm. issues, because like I said, only one of them needed uh, major work. The rest of them were kind of cosmetic and I did put in like new heaters. Um, but yeah, it, it took, it took me a year and a half because of the issues. I want to pay extension fee. The thing about hard money loans is the extension fees are crazy. My extension fee was $22,000. Wow. So, that was pretty painful. And that's what kind of got me in action. Like, all right, I don't want to pay this 22000 again. Let's finish this up. I got that squatter out of there. I called a favor to a friend. Um, he was able to get him out. I mean, I tried to get him out before. I would call random people to come and threaten him. But no, this this one guy, he was actually very scary. And he got him out the next day. But um, yes, yeah, so, so that extension fee, it will give you the motivation you need to, to, finish, to finish up. So yeah. But so I still don't I've actually never, I haven't done a ton with hard money myself and the extension fee is kind of a new concept to me. So I guess if I'm, if I'm getting this right, the, the hard money is good for like a year or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after a year, you're like, yeah, uh, sorry, I still need the money. Yeah. And they're like, sure, but we're going to need you to pay 20 K because we kind of got you in a tight spot. And yeah. you said, yeah. Uh, no, they, they make their money in their turnovers. You no, know, they get points. So they want their money back so they can redeploy it and get points. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So exactly. So you, if they're not getting any additional points on the next deal, they want an extension fee. Um, interesting. Exactly. Uh, that's crazy. So you held it for a year and a half, which normally would have been way too long. And yeah. you had this bad guest that wouldn't leave until you got the scary man to kick him out. Mm -hmm. which is something its own story and its own right but we'll it just sure is. he had the option of, going, of leaving in the back of the trunk or <laughs> on his own <laughs> yeah by the way i'm not sure that's necessarily out of the philly landlording book of hire the scary guy it is it's like you know it's, it's one of the things you always got to have a scary person especially me i i need a scary person on my team and he's a permanent person now like he's officially in my network i needed him oh, he's He's on the Janelle team. Like he's listed he under now. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know what? If there's anything else I got out of this deal besides the 400 grand, I have a new person in my network who I can call when I'm scared. Yep. Yeah. I mean, everyone he needs is. a team. Roofer, he's the recreation plumber. manager for the team. Yes. Yeah. Scary right. guy. I love that. On the, on the business card, recreation manager. Oh, that was thought, yes. <laughs> so. um, cool. So, so then you go to refi it. And because it appraised for so high, basically the, I guess you refine only three of the buildings, but yeah, the three buildings in aggregate appraised for like 1.6. One, and, yeah. and then so they appraised for like 1.2 adds up to, oh, one point. Oh my gosh. My, my engineering brain can't do math anymore. Yes. <laughs> 1.8 that is. Yep. And I got 80%. Yeah. 
I get and then, 80%. Yeah, and you got an 80% loan to value? Is that how you structured it? Yeah, yeah, I work through credit unions. Um, I, I like them because there's no prepayment penalties. But, you know, they require all the documents. I got to have, like, all my tax returns and show all that stuff. So they are a little bit harder to qualify for, but um, I like the the 80% loan to value. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm a big 80% loan to value guy. Um, so that that, that is that's awesome. And then so so you, you go to close, you go to the refi desk, you get a refi, the property's still cash flow. Yep. And then you walk out with a check for 400 k 400 k And then I went and bought a 10 unit with it. Well, I actually bought three properties with it. I bought a 10 unit, a five unit, and um I bought bought this house here. See, some people would walk out of there and go buy a new Corvette. You're like, no, I'm buying more Monopoly houses. We're going to keep yes. going. Yes, got to buy more cash flow because that 10 unit, when I refinance that, I should get another check for 400 grand. So, and then, then I might buy the four because I'm not buying more after that. My buying whole journey has come to an end once I'm done with these few. Oh, wow. You think no more buy and hold? Is that your... Uh... No, I, won't, I won't need to. I'll be cash flowing enough. I didn't plan on doing this forever. So this would be like my second retirement. I retired from engineering at 30, retiring from buy and hold at... <laughs> I love that. That is great, Janelle. Man, what a really cool story. Um, what do you think you learned the most from? From that uh, those 16 units... I mean, there's, there's a little bit of everything in, inside of that. The guy who you need to kick out, the extension on the loan, the house is appraised at a super high value. Anything kind of stands out as like, uh, man, I'll never forget that. The hardest part was when I lost my contractor. I've been working for him for over 10 years. He renovated like 10 million worth of my portfolio. So I could just show, I show him my next property and just say, go. He already knew my paint colors. He knew everything. And we work break together so when I had this huge project uh, I have, my kids were home through COVID um, material was through the roof um, it was an extremely challenging time especially not having my trusted contractor so yeah. I went through a series of probably um, I think five of them to, to wow. get this yeah so I, I had to really work my muscle and um, Hiring contractors, firing them, managing them, spotting when they were bad, and um, like managing them, managing the money. So I think that was like it was the hardest part, um, just getting back into that that management role that I had relinquished when I found my my dream team. But uh, I think, um, but I knew it was worth it because I knew they would appraise well, I knew they would cash flow well, I knew they would like set me off, like give me a big boost in in my cash flow so that I could retire soon. But um, that was definitely the most challenging part. Um, in the whole ordeal. That's awesome, Janelle. How do you find contractors? Do you have something that you like your go-to? So there's a few. I might go to Home Depot, pick up some people, try them out. I'll check my local hardware store, ask them for a recommendation. I'll check on Craigslist and I'll um, I'll drive past and see someone working. So um, it was a combination of like all of those things <laughs> to, to actually finish the job. Wow, that's great. I love the but grit. I yeah. yeah. So yeah. So each one got me like you know a certain certain uh certain way down the road, and then you know something will happen, we fall out, or they will pick another job, or stop showing up, or you know just just, just regular contractor things. But um, eventually right. finished. That's great. You know, I heard I heard two really interesting things in there. One, Janelle went through a lot of strife on the job, right? 
but she had the confidence and was always able to maintain it because she was in so well, right? She had bought well. And she started out when you would ask the questions, emphasizing that. And because of that, she had the confidence always to maintain through. She had a lot of different things happening, you know, in personal life and job life right there. And working through that because she had that confidence that she knew no matter what, she was a winner here. And then, you know, on the backside, one of the things that I picked up, you know, we talk about a lot when we're in rooms or up on, you know, in front of groups, what's your freedom number? Well, Jeanette, Janelle just told everybody about her freedom number, right? My buy and hold journey is over. Yep. I hadn't heard those words from her yet. And, <laughs> you know, we always go around the room, like, what's your freedom number? Because, you know, people get a little overwhelmed sometimes in this, in the journey, right? And it is a journey. We, we all have our ups and downs. I don't care how successful or good you look on the job or on TV or on a stage. We all have issues. We all have trials and tribulations, but there's a number in the back of our head. If I ever get to X, I don't really want or need to do this anymore. You know, a certain but amount by of- By the way, I, I'm, not enti- I'm not entirely sure I buy this whole genetic <laughs> done on. on the buy and hold journey. Nobody I, does, nobody does. I, I'm, I'm definitely over it. <laughs> right, something tells I'm me when that so. next deal comes along, it, maybe in six months, maybe in two years, I don't have my contract. Like, that made things so much easier. And uh, I just don't feel like building that relationship anymore. I have a guy who I have who's working on my stuff now, but you know, we have our we have our bumps, but he's good. But I just don't even want to do it anymore. That's the only hard part of the run of the birth strategy. And after that, it is smooth sailing. So I am done with that part. I'm doing smooth sailing. I'm maybe see and the problem is I don't want to do turnkey because I don't want to pay that much because they, they cost more. So I'm just going to find some other investments. I might invest with other investors. I don't know. I'm uh, nope. I won't be tempted. I was tempted to buy that ten unit, and I think because I'm having a hard time with that one, that I'm like, you know what? I should even bought that one. So no, I'm, I'm officially done now. It's in a whole other county. It's historical. So it's just just more drama to deal with. I don't. I, I'm not cut out for this anymore. I want to just go have fun and go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Cool, Janelle. Well, man. Joel, this was uh, more than we bargained for. We had some good stories. We got some words of wisdom. I feel like this is awesome. It's a great way to kick off. Uh, Janelle, thanks so much for talking to us. I know you do some coaching, um, which at this point, I'm ready to pay for your coaching. Uh, how, <laughs> how, uh, how do people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you more? Um, so I, I'm mostly on Instagram. That's like my home platform. Um, I post on there a lot. I answer questions. Um, but I have a website, JanelleWilson.com, um, J-H-A-N-E-L-Wilson.com. Uh, you send me emails. I respond to everything pretty much. But yeah. And then on Instagram, is it just Janelle Wilson or is it something? Yeah, like- yeah Janelle Wilson. And uh, I post like my contractor drama. I post my tenant drama. Um, I give tips. Uh, examples you know i show how i get houses for cheap and all you know all that stuff it's pretty entertaining <laughs> that's awesome mm-hmm. thank and, you and, and and you you're the savvy real estate investor at this point i'm not even going to ask why you go by that of course you're the savvy oh. real estate investor i've learned a ton this is great well look thank thanks for joining the podcast uh first guest it's uh you set a high bar for the borough podcast great stories great stuff making a ton of money killing it you say your journey is coming to an end. I don't buy one second of it, Janelle. So don't even <laughs> try to pull it. Don't even. Now, now you're on record, by the way. This I know. Is this I'm is great. Not, July not. 2023. This will be on the record in like July 2027. I'll be like, Janelle, so what? No more? 
Nope. I think my time is better spent teaching other people, letting them buy up stuff like that. That is creating more value. So. All right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back here in a couple of years and bring you back on the podcast and see if okay. you're uh, melting Thank you for having me. Again. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Real Estate Hackers Show. If you've not yet become a member of Real Estate Hackers, you can do that for free at realestatehackers.com. Get access to all the amazing real estate hacker deals from incredible vendors, on a ton of content and materials for you, the investor. You can follow Real Estate Hackers on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you can give us a five-star review for the podcast, I would personally really appreciate it. We read every review and thank you so much for helping us grow this community for you, the real estate investor. 